0: On today's show, we'll talk about buying produce and meal kits online and the issue that's on everyone's minds, robot servers. Our special guest today is Schubert Ho of Feed Me Hospitality in Edmonds, and we'll bring you some closures, the purchase of Neoki Bar by Tutabella, a new hotel coming to a historic building in Kenmore, and the reopening of Ray's Cafe. It's all coming up on The Seattle Dining Show.
1: This is Chef Jeremy from Pecos Pit Barbecue. Let's open up the smoker and get the show on the road.
2: Coming to you live at the Test Kitchen Studio high atop Queen Anne Hill, it is time for the Seattle Dining Show. Join us as we explore news about Northwest restaurants, take a look at upcoming events, discover new kitchen tips you can use at home, dive into great recipes, and much more. And now, here's your host, the senior editor, Connie Adams, and whoever else just happened to drop by today.
0: Welcome to the March 2021 Seattle Dining Show, number 2103. I'm Connie Adams, Senior Editor, and I'm here with Tom Marin, publisher and owner of Seattle Dining.
1: Welcome.
0: Robots.
1: The robots here, welcome. See,
0: everyone's talking about it, I'm telling you.
1: I'm taking over podcasts now. Welcome.
0: <laughs> Uh-oh, we just lost 42 listeners right there. <laughs> well, robots are something we want to talk about today, but I thought we'd start with the idea of buying produce um, online for delivery. Um, there are places like Misfits Market that I just saw recently. It's all organic and non-GMO And there's a place called Imperfect Foods. It's food that doesn't look good, but it's perfectly fine to eat, as well as meal kit deals. And I guess the reason it pops up on my radar every now and then is that during the pandemic, of course, everyone's been home more. But normally, I I have no uh, schedule. So, Mm -hmm. like, we did try a meal delivery system one time. But, uh, you know... You you go, you get it, and it's fresh food, and then three things come up, and I'm not home for three nights. Oh, yeah. And then things, you know, go bad. If it's produce, you know, or something, it can go bad. So it didn't particularly work well for us. Um, so you really have to be careful, I think, about knowing what your schedule is and what you like to do. For instance, you could get all this stuff delivered, shop, you know, they can do the shopping and the prepping, and you just cook. And that may be perfect time-wise, but if you are a person who loves to research, I think about you all the time, you love to think about something that sounds good, and then you research how, how other people, would ingredients people mm-hmm. put in it, come up with your own plan. You like to do that. Yeah. So having somebody else do all the research and prepping kind of takes the fun well, out
1: of it. you know, like getting meal kits, I don't know... Where that food came from that's in the kit. I don't know yeah. what grade it is. I don't know I think a lot of how them. fresh it was. Yeah.
0: And I have that problem. I talked to a neighbor recently about that same thing. I'm like, I don't really want somebody picking out my produce.
1: No, I don't want that either. Yeah.
0: But he said he had used Whole Foods and um, Met Market, I think. This was a couple months ago. And he said he was actually very pleased with both of them.
1: I see the imperfect trucks around all the time. Yeah. I that's, go out for walks, and there's yeah. – always uh, every week I see one at least. That's a lot, you know. Yeah.
0: That's that's kind of a new thing, I'd say, in the past year or so that mm-hmm. I became aware of it, where there's so much food that if it's not a perfect carrot, Americans won't eat it. You know, they think they're not getting value or something. I like all
1: the freaky-looking
0: carrots. I know, the twisty ones. When I grew them, you know, you know how ridiculous I am about thinking everything is alive. And so – I planted the carrots and I looked at all the instructions and they said, you know, when they start growing, you weed out a certain number of them, oh, it's because they need space to grow. And I, I couldn't kill them. I couldn't do it. Ah. So of course, <laughs> of course, when I pulled them out, the ends, the carrots were all wrapped around each oh, other and everything. Yeah. So that would be imperfect food, I would say. Hmm. And and instead of learning from that, learning how to garden correctly, mm. I don't grow anything anymore. It's just, it's just so painful.
1: Well, three years ago, <laughs> I put some garlic downstairs, and kind of it, it it sprouted, and then I don't know if we had a heat wave or what, but it just all died. Oh. and I never worried about it again. And then uh, last year, it came up again, oh. and this year, it's. Uh, it it has to, it needs to be propagated because there's so many pods of garlic down in there Ooh, now. So. I'll, I'll take some because I was joking about never gardening. You don't want any of this garlic. I put it there to keep the cats out of the uh, area because okay. the cats poop in that soil all the yeah. time. So I don't think you want to have that. Yeah, and by cats, we don't mean Tom's cat, other cats. No, not my girl, <laughs> the neighbor cats.
0: Well, another thing to ponder on when you are thinking about buying produce or prepped meals is, you know, how often you eat at home, and and maybe you've got kids, and that's a fun way to get kids interested in cooking. They don't have to do the boring prep part, but they could just pull out everything and make their little, you know, mise en place and then be throwing things in as they cook. and So that might be good for them, and it might be good for couples to cook together. Maybe you need, you know... Kind of a Well, little, you know,
1: everybody's at a different point in their cooking abilities, yeah. too. So if you don't have a lot of cooking abilities, probably the meal kit is just fine for yeah. you. And if you don't care if it's organic or not, then the meal kit's going to be just fine. Yeah. So.
0: Well, you know, typically the rocket science deduction here is that it could be right for you, or it might not be right for you at all. So, so give it a try. Yeah, and that can be said for a lot of stuff. Like... Robot servers.
1: Welcome.
0: <laughs> so there was a, an associate professor who, um, at Ball State University who did a study and found that most people with a sense of resignation feel there's no stopping the romantic, robotic transformation of the food service inter- industry. Um, like right now, you can buy a robot that cooks hamburgers and robotic arms that put together pizzas and cocktails um, but they are talking about, you know, actual service, yeah, which or like behind the bar kind of thing. I, I don't think you would go to a bar and sit at a sit at the bar and tell your troubles to the robot anymore.
1: Hey, you know. man, did I tell you what happened today? Uh, I'm trying busy making a drink for Ben. <laughs> ben. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many variables in the conversation when you're out. At a restaurant or out at a bar, I I don't think in my lifetime we're going to see robots become a, a regular thing yeah. or
0: even uh, much of an introduction of it. I think behind the scenes that you know they're starting to do those like little uh, counters where all the windows are and food gets pushed into the little window and you pay your money and open the window and take that food out. I can see that being robotized, which is my new word. Well, and you um, but- know, thieves
1: and and uh, you know, people have a way of figuring out how to get around something and and uh, either steal from it or whatever. Uh, you know, how, how easy is it to walk out on your tab at a robotic restaurant? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe the robot server.
0: Brings an iron gate down on the door before you get to it.
1: You know, I th- the only reason I'd like to see uh, a robotic server is because one of the places that I like to go, I like to play music all the time. And uh, robotic servers, do not they're not going to be pulling their phone out and <laughs> pumping in music I don't want to hear. It's just going to be that that is going to be available there for me to play music, and I won't have to compete against the server. It all depends on how it's set
0: up. So, so you never know how it's programmed. It would be scary if they did that. Only when you came in, they would like recognize you and then start plugging music in right away. <laughs> um, another couple of concerns that, that came out of this was that, you know, can you count on the cleanliness and food safety? And of course, that's huge now because of the pandemic. You know, is that going to be taken care of? And communication, like What if a robot can't understand an accent of someone from another country and it's a tourist town or something? You know, you don't want to lose a lot of money because of this. And, I mean, the restaurant industry has been so devastated. I think the last thing you need to do is make it non-human friendly. You know, it's always a place – robots are – robots. Restaurants are a place you want to go and relax. I
1: don't want to be – Well, what are you going to do when your robot breaks down one night? Who's going to make all your pizzas? Yeah. Yeah. No, you're going to have to call a human. Yeah.
0: You know, one day, I don't think I've talked about this in the show, but I went to a little hamburger place to get something. And and the minute you stepped in, the person would go, we can only take cash. And their um, connection, their Wi-Fi connection, had been down two days, and the company hadn't had it fixed yet. And, you know, about 98% of the people that stepped in after I did turned around and walked right out. Everybody does everything right now on credit cards. Yeah. And so they lost a ton of business that way. Mm. So hmm. I don't know. Well, shall we talk about where we've been eating out since we're on the idea of food and eating out? Sure. Outdoor
1: um, robotic servers. Yes,
0: I did not run into one at of those twenty-five
1: percent capacity. <laughs> I did not
0: run into one of those at Eden Hill Provisions, um, and I did eat outside that day. It was a lunch, but I always get their burgers because they're so good. But uh. The person I was with and I both got the chicken nuggets, mm-hmm. and you know it's they're very different from anything I've had. They're they're little circles. They look like they punch them out with your falafel thing, yeah. And they're about an inch high, and they are dense. I mean, it is solid chicken meat pressed.
1: So do you you think they're they're so they they start out as ground chicken and they get pressed into these? Yeah, discs? because
0: there's a lot of herbal flavors in it. Yeah, you know Max Petty is really good at that kind of stuff. Um. Personally, both of us um, said after we had lunch, you know, there were like five or six nuggets in there. We both said, you know, we could have split those because they're so dense. They're, it's a lot of meat.
1: Huh. So we probably could have uh, split that. So basically, he just basically got like, almost like a chicken sausage recipe. Uh, but do you have a coating on the outside? No, not really. Yeah. So that's kind of like just, yeah. uh, it's <laughs> just like the way I punch out breakfast sausage. Yeah, it is kind of like that. Huh. And um, they were
0: very good. They were very tasty.
1: Um, Well, let's get Max's recipe and run it in the chef's kitchen. Oh, there you go. We'll see if he'll give it up. You never know. Or maybe he can give us an alternative to it. Yeah. Pork McNuggets. (laughs) Turkey McNuggets. Pork
0: Nuggets. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I know that there probably are pork nuggets, but it doesn't sound good. (laughs) Pork nuggets. Well, what about you? You've got a couple places to talk about.
1: Uh, we went down. We've been a little apprehensive about going back to the Paragon for a while because uh, the the it was a revolving door of chefs and the food that was coming through wasn't just wasn't happening. But we were egged on by a neighbor the other day to you gotta go down, you gotta go down and try it, and we did. And, man, the guy that's in there right now is just hitting it out of the park.
0: It's mm-hmm. awesome. This is Paragon on top of Queen Anne Avenue.
1: Yeah. On top of Queen Anne Hill. So we had, uh, they have a prime rib for $2, $70. And, you know, being a, that was the Paragon, I kind of expected it to be like maybe some choice grade or pop or whatever. Mm-hmm. Oh, It was really good. It was so good. And uh, uh, I don't. You remember the guy's name? Stefan. And I
0: can't pronounce his last name. It's French. B o u r g something. Okay.
1: And he was uh, he was actually one of the servers that night. So that means that everything that was happening in the kitchen was being executed very well by the kitchen staff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they should throw the white tablecloths back on the tables up there. Yeah. So good. And then he had a. Uh, kind of like a what was that a, a polenta and cheese? Uh, no, not really. No, what no, no. That? There what was, was that a thing beet. with the roasted carrots. It
0: well, it was roasted carrots over whipped goat cheese and like pump not pumpkin seeds. They were smaller than that. Um, some kind of s- roasted seed, and there was a little honey on the cheese, like dribbled over it. So you you could just take the carrot and swish it through the cheese <clears> and <throat> the honey and the and the seeds. Oh
1: man!
0: And then good. there was the other that. Prime rib comes with two sides yeah. doubled. Mm-hmm. So we each got a little uh, pie-shaped cut of a beet, some kind of a beet pie. Ooh. which was, It had a cheese in it, It was it a beet two, salad. Beet, it was a layered thing. Yeah. It looked like a piece of pie, yeah, a piece of cake. It was cut like that and mm-hmm. firm like that, but so good. And then those carrots. I want it again. Yeah.
1: They're so good. Yeah.
0: And just, you know, I feel bad that I don't know his last name, but I am interviewing him. In March, in early March, and we'll have a story on Seattle Dining, so okay, you'll good. get more information about him then.
1: So, yeah, that's the hot tip. Go to the Paragon and hunt down yeah. Stefan and have, have uh, some of the food that's up there right now. Uh, hopefully, he will not be part of the revolving door, and yeah. he will stay there for a while. That would be really nice. Yeah, and he's been there now. Has it been close to a year? I guess so. But, you know, the people from Canvas listen to this show, so they know oh, they're right. on the hunt for a new show. Oh, that's right. You know, I might be really We're giving him away now. We're up.
0: sorry, Kim. We didn't know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Did I tell you I went to Canvas And I walked in the door and I, welcome. <laughs> uh, just kidding.
0: That, and that was Brian.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. What about some home meals?
1: Oh, well, you were going to talk about uh, Dirty Dan Harris Steakhouse yeah, that's right, in Bellingham. Yeah. That was not the best prime rib in the world. No. And uh, if that's the best thing you got, Bellingham, somebody get up there and open up a nice restaurant. Maybe they want to open up a Paragon in Bellingham. Yeah, I don't know. but don't take Stefan. No, well, he can... He could be the executive chef over both locations yeah. cuz he knows how to make a kitchen yeah. execute the meal. Yeah. And the other thing he told us that we were
0: delighted with is that he gets a lot of foraged and wild mushrooms and he makes a mushroom salt and that's what he coats the prime rib with. And he brines it for 24 hours mm. with that. Oh, that's why it was so good. <laughs> so good. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the Bellingham thing, again, you know, things weren't open when we were up there a little bit ago. And so um, we ate, you know, we picked it up at the restaurant and then ate it in the hotel room, which is never quite, you know, right. Um, but it was a bit disappointing. And it serves us right. We we asked some people and they said, uh, not my favorite place. Yeah. We were like, but it's the, the only thing. The salad place- was
1: okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the prime rib wasn't very good. Mm-hmm.
0: So. But, so.
1: All right, so what have you been making at home?
0: Home meals, a um, couple things I did, uh, cashew chicken and veggie stir-fry. And I've tried it a couple times now doing some different things, but I think I've got my recipe finalized, and it'll be in the Seattle Dining oh, magazine. Um, the first time, made it with chicken breast, chicken stock, and some fish sauce along with other things in the sauce. You felt it was a little fishy. You, you thought you were tasting the fish sauce, which I didn't think I was. So I tried it the next time without it. But I also went to chicken thighs, and I used rice wine instead of chicken stock. And it was okay. But I thought the first uh, edition of it with the chicken breast and the chicken stock was
1: better. Hmm. So, Well, we'll see what you publish.
0: Yeah. Well, I think it's uh, uh, there's this an optional throw in some fish sauce if you want it but otherwise here's
1: the basic sauce. I'll, on on Asian food I'll always take thighs over white meat.
0: Yeah, but you know what and it could have been that it was the rice wine or something but I didn't care for it. The second time when I used thighs. Mm. So, don't know. I like
1: teriyaki chicken. Yum. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I haven't found a good good recipe for that. We're going to have to work on that. I know I made one here about a year ago. I don't
0: remember what the results of it were. I think it was okay. You know, I don't think we were wild about it. I also did a breakfast skillet with sausage, and it was, uh, the, the idea came from a magazine, and it was a chef who cooked the sausage in a fry pan, then put eggs and everything in it, and stuck it in the oven and finished it that way. Like a quiche. Almost, yeah. And that, huh. that turned out pretty well, I thought. I yeah. did like it. I made a few changes and did some stuff. And then we've talked about it before. I have a shrimp scampi recipe, and I, I use some black tiger shrimp, and it that worked out well just, uh, a couple years That of was really ago. good.
1: Yeah. I like that. And you made it with a salad, and the salad was very good.
0: I made a little, yeah, I made a Caesar salad with no anchovy.
1: Yeah. You know? Yeah. That was good. Yeah, I did like that. Yeah. What have you been making? Uh, not a lot, um, but I did make a uh, Mediterranean plate. Mm. Anybody so can make a Mediterranean plate. And I just, uh, I came up with nine different items and put them out on the plate like a tic-tac-toe board. Yeah. A little hummus, some almonds, some honey, some feta cheese. Olives. olives some some uh, artichoke hearts. peppers and some artichoke hearts. and Pepperoni. Yep, pepperoni.
0: It was good. It was good. And I found and, out. And you
1: could play tic-tac-toe if you want.
0: Yes. Oh, no, you couldn't. Well, kind of. You would be yelled at, don't play with your food. Uh, one thing that I discovered accidentally was that I got my pita bread, uh, touched my honey, and then I went into the hummus. That was actually a very good combination, just a touch of honey on the hummus.
1: Mm-hmm. It was nice. Usually I like to dip my feta chunks into the honey. Oh, yeah. Or the or just a little bit of the almond into the honey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not, not a lot of honey. I mean, we're talking, what, what was that, a tablespoon of honey. Maybe, Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, wine-wise, um, I was at the Ballard Market and talked to the guy who, who works there and lurks around the beverage area all the time. He's there most most every day, I think. And he sent me toward, because I told him I wanted, you know, like in that $7, 8 9 range mm-hmm. of everyday wines. And he sent me to an O&T Le Gourmet 2019 Touraine. It's a French Sauvignon and it was really good. He said he'd been pushing that wine for years and sold a lot of it wherever he worked before. And he's doing the same now, sure, making sure that's on the shelves. And it was quite good. I really enjoyed that. And uh-huh. it was, I think it was eight ninety nine. dollars huh. And then we've tried uh, another white, a Maine and Geary Pinot Grigio 2019 from California. I thought it was fairly dry and kind of citrusy. you You were like, it's fine. It's
1: drinkable. You weren't Wild about it. Didn't do anything for me. Yeah. Didn't but, you know, I'll any- drink anything, so everything's drinkable.
0: <laughs> so what about you? You had a
1: an A3 wine you wanted to talk about. I did. Um, I've been getting this A3 Chardonnay over at the Total Wine Store for oh, maybe about a year now. <coughs> and uh, I, I usually get along with a bunch of other stuff, but... Uh, Today I dove in. It was uh, $7.19 a bottle if you bought six or more. So I bought a case. Mm. And then I didn't have to spend the rest of my time shopping in the store. I just put a case on the cart and rolled up to the register. And you like it well enough that that's... Yeah, it's a really good chart. It uh, it goes well with food, but it also is just a good uh, sort of a drinking teetotaler type of wine, you know.
0: Teetotaler as in no alcohol?
1: Well, <laughs> as in like just light
0: drinking, okay. of, you know. I, I don't want to tell you this. I do not know how to tell you this, but drinking is drinking. Wine is wine. Why do you, why do you imitate my doctor all the time? <laughs> oh, but, but it's fine that I had the case of wine. It's very light.
1: Yeah, it'll take a while <laughs> to get through it, you know. <laughs> and and speaking of that, you know, um, the A3 actually uh, holds up pretty well in the fridge for a day or two oh, if you good. have it open and you don't finish it up. So. Where,
0: is that a California wine?
1: Yeah, the California wine. They, they have, um, uh, I guess you'd call them, well, they have winery in uh, both Napa and Lodi. Mm. Lodi, that's like in the central California yeah, in the salad bowl there. Yeah. So, huh. but the land is cheap. Yeah, (laughs) and grow good stuff.
0: Let's take a break, and when we come back, we'll look at the latest tidbits from our News Bites file.
2: Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by Queen Anne Olive Oil. Explore their huge selection of flavor-infused olive oils and balsamics. Mix and match to create some unique taste treats. Take a field trip soon to the top of Queen Anne, and experience oils and vinegars in a whole new way. Find more information at queenanoliveoil.com.
1: Hi, I'm Corey Nagler from Walla Walla, and when I'm in Seattle, I eat at La Carta de Oaxaca. I'm Kelsey Jones from Seattle Magazine, and you're listening to the Seattle Dining Show. Welcome back to the Seattle Dining Show. And uh, we're going to dive into the news bites where we're going to tip you off on things that are happening in the industry, happening around town, who's open, who's closed. And uh, you can always keep up with our news bites on our our page, seattledining.com. Just click on the news bites link and we keep that updated all the time. And I'm glad
0: that you are
1: giving us that robot voice
0: and, and then melding it into your real human voice just to show our listeners why the Seattle Dining Podcast is not going robotic
1: anytime soon. I don't think I would go to a restaurant over and over again where I got served by a, re- by a robot. <laughs> I like to have, you know, a little personality between yeah. me and a, a, you know, I like to have a favorite yeah. server, you know. Yeah.
0: And that's another thing about Paragon. The guy who worked there that was serving us, great. Yeah. Great guy who had moved up from San Francisco to be closer to his sister.
1: Robots aren't personable. No.
0: Hey, Cortana, get me my regular drink, will you? (laughs) All right. We're moving into News Bites. And now you've made Cortana talk. (laughs) All right. Ignore her in the background. So my first item is my saddest item. And it's that Jason Wilson closed the Lake House in Bellevue at the end of February. And the reason I'm sad about that is because I like Jason. He's done a ton in the city, and he's you know the stuff he's contributed to the Seattle restaurant scene has been great.
1: Oh, he's and, uh, participated in cooking with class before, hasn't he? No. Oh, I thought he did. No, he
0: was. This is a really nice thing. He was willing one year to jump in at the last minute. Ah. Um, when somebody canceled me out on me two days before the event. But then it turned out his wife had already booked something, and he had to stay home with the kids. But the fact that he was going to do that, you know, and Mm -hmm. he was going to do it this year, but probably not now. So um, my next item is kind of interesting. Tutabella had formed a partnership with Chef Lisa Nakamura that she would supply them with gnocchi at their restaurants. So that was their go-to gnocchi. Mm -hmm. Now they have purchased gnocchi bar from her. And uh, they they have also Tutabellas opened what they call grocerant locations in QFCs, so you uh-huh. can go in and buy you know a pizza there, mm. and you can get the gnocchi, and you can get some little other essentials you know there. So um, it's kind of they're you know they're they're looking to expand into other
1: takeout things that they can put. At those grocerons It's a good tongue twister though, Nakamura naoki. Say that ten times oh, fast. I'm not going to. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now in Kenmore, there's new life coming to a historic seminary building. It was built in 1931. And it is called it or it will be called the Lodge at St. Edward State Park. They're looking at a May opening. 84 rooms, a restaurant called Cedar Plus Elm that has Northwest cuisine, two bars, and a spa are all planned. And
1: this is not being done by the McMinimums people. For yeah,
0: I looked London. at it, and it either said it, and I promptly forgot who it was, but I know it wasn't McMenimans. Yeah. So, well, let's see. You know, this was a surprise to me because I don't think of Ivers when I think breakfast. But the, I try
1: not to think. Oh, well. <laughs>
2: Oh,
0: I like Ivers. I like the seafood <laughs> I know <you> bars. Do. <laughs> um, but uh, their Muckle tea location offers breakfast for delivery or pickup, omelet, scrambles, breakfast sandwich, or the famous landing breakfast. That's what it says on their website. So um, clearly I'm out of the loop. If they've already got a breakfast that's famous and I don't even know they do breakfast, oh, yeah. it's, it's embarrassing. But you can order from
1: 9 a.m. to noon. Hmm. And they moved the ferry terminal away from where the Ivers is. So, oh did they? Yeah. They put the new they opened up the new ferry terminal and it's like about a quarter mile down from Ooh. where it was. So
0: That may impact them because the last time I went down there for lunch on a nice day, the lineup was, you know, twenty deep and it was all these people who
1: the ferries Yeah, waiting you know, for the ferry.
0: Yeah. Hm. It was a lot. Let's see. Le Grand Bistro American in, at Caroline Point is now open daily from 3 to 9, and they've just added brunch back. So, as of March 6th, that's 10.30 to 2 p.m. on Saturday and Sunday. A lot of brunch is coming up. Pogacha on Mercer Island has started serving brunch Saturday and Sunday, 10 to 3. Um, so, interesting that brunch is the big thing that's getting added in. I'm not sure why. But it, it does seem to be Nobody the last wants to get thing up and people have. They don't like to get up early. We know that because we're early risers, and we can never go to a brunch because they don't start till ten thirty or eleven. Yeah. And we're like, what? before that. Yeah. Let's see. Um, the city catering company has been around quite a while, and it has recreated itself into a new business called Bite Society, where you can get a curated basket of goodies for any occasion. They currently have over 34 gift baskets that range from $39 to $395. But you can do a custom basket with them, and single products are also available.
1: They should send us over to the $395 basket to do a review.
0: There you go. And why wouldn't they? Really? Yeah. Why not? Hey, another opening that's going to make people happy is Ray's Café. They are opening for, of course, the 25% dine-in service, and they're also starting takeout, both on March 3rd. So you can dine in the dining room or on the patio, which is heated and covered. And they're open Wednesday through Sunday for lunch and dinner, 1130 to 9 p.m., and the last seating is at 9. And their happy hours back. A lot of people just went for happy hours so often, and that's back daily from 4 to 6, or every day they're open. And you can use the Rays.com website to order off their takeout menu. And still, the boathouse remains closed. Temporarily, they make sure that you know that.
1: I don't wonder why they would have the main dining closed. I mean, if you could be at 25%, wouldn't you want to be using that real estate?
0: Well, you'd think so. I wonder if it's because that's more fine dining and maybe it's that people just aren't Ready to put that kind of money out to sit in either a cold room because windows and doors have to be open, oh. or um, it's it just feels weird to be in there with three other people. Yeah, you know it may be that the and well, um, we have an interview coming up um, later today, and one of the points um, that we talked about then was I have lost my train of thought.
1: I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, Come back. Anyway. Uh, but there, you can eat at the cafe, but you're not going to get yeah. into the dining room right now. Yeah.
0: Um, Shuckers at the Fairmont Olympic is now open for dinner, Fridays and Saturdays, 5 to 9. And here for you Eastsiders is the big news. It's not going to happen until the end of the year. But there's a new Dick's Burgers coming to the East. The first on the East Side. It's coming to the Crossroads Shopping Center in Bellevue.
1: Wow. That's about 40 years overdue. Yeah, you'd think. Those uh, I think you were going to mention something about 13 Coins, too. You haven't said anything about 13 Coins. Oh, I thought coins.
0: I did. Oh, no, I didn't. They're open for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, I think, uh, with their full menu. So the full menu is back, the all-day breakfast is back, and now brunch. That was my other brunch. Another brunch. There you go. Um, they are still doing delivery, curbside pickup, as well as dine-in.
1: Are, are then- they...
0: 13 coins used to be 24 hours. Yeah, I don't think they are now. Okay, uh, I'm hoping that will come back, I think, but, you know, it hey, might yeah, be a little longer.
1: there's a tagline, 24 hours at 25% come to 13 <laughs> coins.
0: <laughs> or they could just say, we're just going to do 24%. So we can do 24 <laughs> hours, 24%. So 24 days a month. <laughs> the last thing I was going to say, celebrate here is kind of a cool thing. 2021 is the 40th anniversary of vineyard-designated wines in Washington State. And that year, there were three vineyard-designated wines released. One was the Associated Vintners Cab Sav from Red Red Willow. Then there was another wine from Otis Vineyard in Yakima, and the third was from Sagemore Vineyard in the Columbia Valley. So 40 years, you you know— for the amount of wine we produce and the quality we produce, it's kind of amazing. It's all happened in about 40 years. Yeah. I mean, in terms of vineyard designation,
1: it's been around. But, right, right, yeah. But, so, kind of fun. Young wine region of Washington State. Yeah. So, all right, well, are we going to take a little break and come back with a calendar? That sounds good. All right.
2: Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by... Esquin Wine and Spirits. Drop by and check out one of the widest inventories of wines from around the world, as well as local and international spirits, all procured by their expert staff. Is your wine collection ready for a new home? Esquin offers monthly wine store storage lockers in a temperature-controlled environment. Visit their website at madwine.com today.
1: Hi, this is Meredith from Crown Hill, and my favorite place to get brunch is Senior Moose in Ballard. Hey, I'm Jared Burns, owner and winemaker at Revelry Vintners, and you're listening to the Seattle Dining Show. On the Seattle Dining Show, and something amazing is happening. Uh, we've been so short on calendar items over the last year, but we've got a full list of calendar items to go through this month. It's a wonderful thing.
0: It's, yeah. You know, we know it's not normal yet, but things are starting to move. And a lot of them are virtual. not going to deny that. But uh, it's, it's great that people are finding ways to do stuff and keep things going. The first one on March 6th is Avenia Winery and Metropolitan Grill virtual dinner. Avenia has two new release wines, 2018 Sestina and 28 Valerie, and they thought it deserved a good steak dinner for two. So it's $80 for two for the Avenia Club members, 125 for non-members. Orders have to be placed by March 3rd. Looks like it's going to be braised short rib cakes, grilled filet mignon, and a chocolate torte. And you can pick up your prepaid dinner to go and club order on March 6th from 2 to 4 at the Avenia Production Facility in Woodinville. And then at 6.30, the Avenia winemaker and partner, Chris Peterson, and his partner, Marty Toucher, and a rep from Met Grill join you for a Zoom happy hour. Hmm. And I'm sure they'll talk about those
1: wines there. That's, that's, uh, I'm assuming if it's two people, you're getting uh, two bottles of wine out of this. It, it's not bad in the price there. Yeah, hundred and twenty-five.
0: You know, eh, yeah, for a
1: bottle of wine and two, a meal,
0: two bottles of wine.
1: Well, yeah, two, yeah, but see that that so that's two fifty. You get two bottles of wine and two meals. It's not. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah.
0: No, no, this is a steak dinner for two.
1: Oh, that's so even a, better. Deal. Yeah,
0: it's a really good deal. Wow. Yeah.
1: Big jump on that.
0: Yeah. Um. Then there is a virtual cooking class with Ethan Stoll on March 6th from 5.30 to 7. $200 for two people, less tax and optional gratuity. They're going to be doing cushy oysters, Dungeness crab cakes, steamed manila clams, seared salmon. This is large. Chocolate budino. The class comes with all the ingredients plus a bottle of the Ethan Stoll restaurant's exclusive pinot grigio.
1: Hmm. Yeah. That's a good deal. Then
0: the next virtual wine dinner is with Passing Time on March 11th at 6th and Passing Time winery co-founder and former NFL quarterback Damon I never say his name right who are is it Ward or Huard H U A R D
1: if it's not the Seahawks I don't know who mm. he is
0: Ward I'm, I'm making I'm deciding <laughs> that's his name and I know it's not along with winemaker Chris Peterson um will be on hand as well as chef Maggie Trujillo from Fire and Vine Um, That's going to be four courses, $275 for two, plus tax. That includes the dinner and three bottles of wine, 750 milliliters. Orders have to be placed by March 8th at 5, and then you can pick up on Thursday, March 11th from 2 to 5. Then there's a a wine dinner series at Semi Amu, and these are in person. Um, The first one is March 12th. Yeah, they never said anything about this being virtual. It's award-winning wines paired with seasonally inspired menus. They're doing one quarterly. Each dinner features a different winery from Washington and the world, five courses, and the menu is not shared until you arrive. So if you're feeling, (laughs) if you don't have a lot of uh, things you won't eat. Yeah, you don't have
1: a lot of food allergies. Yeah,
0: um, and I'm thinking, you know, like we could be thrilled to do something like this and then we'd get there and it would be all uh, oysters and clams, and you would be like, I can't eat any of this. So, um, they do say it's an interactive dinner, so you learn about each course and how it pairs with wine, and the March 12th dinner is with Lang Estate Winery and Vineyards. Huh. Let's see. World Tea Virtual Summit. That's on March 15th and 16th this year. This is normally, of course, something that's done in person, but Tea shop owners and new business operators share their latest product, brand, or message. There's a lot of conferences and seminars. It's a free virtual event. You just register on their website and attend. Then another thing that was here and then went away during the pandemic is now back, and this is at Lombardi's Mill Creek location. It's called Club W, and that stands for Wine Women
1: Wednesday. So I can't go. You cannot go. Because I'm not allowed to eat out on Wednesdays. Yes, and also you're not really a woman. but Oh, yeah. But you could be a female
0: robot. We don't know, really. <laughs>
1: Welcome!
0: <laughs> so um, this is their, the March 17th is their Washington Wine Month celebration. It's with Lance Sellers and Vintner Kevin Lance. Um, And this is why I can't probably go is because due to COVID, they're only selling tables of four instead of single tickets Mm because, you know, you you just go there on your own. Um, So I'm not really seeing four friends right now that I could go get a table with. So, yeah. Um, And then all the wines for this event are from 2014. Ooh. Yeah. I hope
1: they're all red.
0: Yeah. Yes, (laughs) they are. They are indeed. Um, Columbia Hospitality, as you know, manages a number of hotels and resorts and restaurants. And for 14 of those in Washington and Oregon, they've begun, I think this is a great name, a puffy jacket pop-up dining series to celebrate Northwest food and drinks. So they're unique and time-limited menus. Um, Salish is doing it, Semiamu, Hearth at Heathman, Cedarbrook, and these go through March Twenty seventh. So you just need to go out and look at the calendar. We'll keep putting them up. So
1: by the name puffy jacket pop you're, up, that means you're going to be eating outside. Yeah, you're outside. Yeah,
0: exactly. And they do have heated places and stuff. It's not like you're going to be totally in the in the
1: weather. So wear your longest puffy jacket, and we'll have a contest, and whoever has the longest and puffiest jacket <laughs> wins <a> free dessert. <laughs>
0: Which you don't need because then you can't get the puffy jacket sipped, which is the problem. Another dining series that's going on is happening on Lumen Field called Field to Table. Local chefs turn the field into an outdoor dining room with covered and heated areas. It's a f- they're all four-course dinners. Uh, March 3rd is Maximilian Petty. We talked about him earlier from Eden Hill. March 4th is Jason Stoneburner from Stoneburner. March fifth is John Sunstrom from Lark. The sixth is Trey Lamont from Jerk Shack, and seventh is Liz Kenyon from Rupe Bar and Manolin. And it goes on. I think they're adding.
1: It's going to be a good uh, propane sale for somebody. Yeah,
0: yeah. It uh, these are like a hundred dollars, and I'm not sure what it is. Kind of a fundraiser. Some money, r- fundraiser. Some money's going to s- something good. Uh huh. Um, but. Um, I don't know. I don't think it – I think the alcohol is separate, and it's a $100 ticket.
1: Ah, okay. So
0: it might be a little pricey, unless I'm wrong about the alcohol. Um, So check that out, and you can find that answer yourself. Then Fair Start has announced their new virtual version of Guest Chef Night. You know, Guest Chef Night is that wonderful thing where you go and eat at the Fair Start restaurant and – uh, once a month, oh, yeah. they have the graduation for the mm-hmm. people who have gone through the program. It's all very emotional. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. And, of course, they can't have them anymore right now. So they're going to do four quarterly events this year, and the first is March 25th from 5 to 6 p.m. There are going to be two chefs there. One is Christy Brown from Communion, which is her brand-new restaurant. Uh, she also has that Brown Girl Cooks. And then Varen, another name I will butcher, Kale I think. He was formerly at Heart, Heartwood Provisions, and he is now at um, Seattle. I didn't write this down. He's at a local college teaching.
1: Okay.
0: Um, and they're going to be teaching knife skills.
1: And so, Oh, okay. So, so it's guest chef night, but I don't pick up a meal kit from Ferris Short or anything like that. It doesn't sound like it because it's an hour long.
0: It, yeah. it didn't say that. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know and then Wayne Johnson, our favorite, will serve as host and MC. These are free. Normally you have to pay cuz of course you're
1: oh yeah. You're That's you're hilarious. getting
0: food and this time you're just gaining skills. But mm-hmm. uh, but that is nice. And you do have have to register in advance. That's required. So just go to fairstart. fairstart.org. Okay. So. So. That is a scoop. It is a full it's a full virtual
1: full list. calendar. Yeah. Happy to see it. All right, well, we got a special guest coming in, and so we'll take a little break, and we'll be right back.
2: Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by Salty Seafood Waterfront Restaurants. Visit them on the water at their Alki, Redondo, and Portland locations.
1: Hi, this is Mike Jordan living up in Shoreline, Washington, and one of my favorite spots is to go to Salt and Iron in Edmonds.
3: Hi, this is Janie from Northwest Travel and Life magazine, and you're listening to The Seattle Dining Show.
1: We are back on the Seattle Dining Show. I'm Tom Marin, the publisher. I'm here with Connie Adams, the front of the house. And we have a special guest on the line with us today. And Connie will tell us all about it.
0: Yes, I had the pleasure of meeting Sherbert Ho- Schubert Ho about two and a half years ago. And he and his wife, Mira, along with partners Andrew and Sierra Lecky, own Feed Me Hospitality in Edmonds, which includes quite a number of restaurants, which we will talk about today. And they are also the exclusive food service and beverage operator for the Edmonds Waterfront Center. Schubert, thanks so much for being here.
3: Thank you very much for having me. It's really nice to be here today.
0: Excellent. Um, one of the things I want to talk about, like right off the bat, is that you opened a restaurant, oddly enough, in the middle of the pandemic in 2020. How did that all come
3: about? Well, it was an opportunity that it. Pre- Presented itself to me and our partners, and kind of a situation where I contemplated many times on not doing, but all the stars aligned and it just happened. So, um, with all the reluctance in the world, I still opened a restaurant in the pandemic. Yes, it was it was sure a great journey. Our business partners uh, of Andrew and I uh, also include Evan and Lenny Volsis who own and operate the Spiros pizza chains Mm. in and around the Seattle area. And so they've been great partners of ours.
0: And they, did you mention uh, to me one other time that they own the building as well that you're in?
3: Their family owns the building. And since, since they're great family friends of ours, they, they kind of contacted us knowing our abilities and our interest in the area and um, really, Wanted to partner up with us in a in a new venture of Italian food, Italian cuisine, yeah. and I haven't cooked Italian since I left Piatti Restaurant back in ten eleven years ago. Oh wow! Uh, and my first job was in the same space, which was a Pula bistro when it first opened, and um, this time I got to open it the way I wanted it to.
0: Oh, that's so great! What a what a nice circle too, full circle back, right? Um, The other new thing is something that's coming up um, in early March. You're opening something else.
3: Yes. uh, March 4th, we'll have our soft opening for the Potlatch Bistro, located at the Edmonds Waterfront Center, uh, as well as Shore Pine Coffee and Gelato, which is also in the Edmonds Waterfront Center, but in a kiosk location Mm. with a takeout window.
0: Oh, nice.
3: And we were awarded the food and beverage contract for this uh, multi-generational waterfront center that is run by the Edmund Senior Center uh, nonprofit. And we will be providing not only just normal bistro lunch food, but also subsidized meals for local seniors as well and catered events for the, the ballroom that's inside.
0: Wow. That's great that they're doing that, number one, and that you're part of it. Now,
3: Yeah, we feel very fortunate. I mean, uh, we've been connected to the community for a very long time, and um, one of the interesting menu items that we'll be executing is a very low-cost high tea or afternoon tea, and uh, I think it's great for all the grandmas to bring their grandkids over for some afternoon tea. Right uh, by the
0: beach. So special, the, the location and to be able to do that with your grandkids. And they'll have that memory forever. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, during the pandemic also, of course, you couldn't be open. You've got a number of restaurants. Um, and we'll just, I'll just whip through these at the moment. We can talk about each. Shoebidoo Catering, Bar Dojo, Salt and Iron, Sankei is it saying Sankai?
3: Sankai, Sankai
0: yes. Sushi Restaurant the market, the fish market, and then Fire and Feast that we just talked about and the other ones that are opening. So obviously they couldn't be open during the pandemic at all times. And you did some uh, work with the community to get school lunches going on. That um, You had a hashtag cater for the kids and hashtag for the hospitals. Um, how did that all come about?
3: Well, we... it it was a start. It was a rude awakening when the (laughs) pandemic had first started. Everything got shut down. We laid off nearly 200 of our 210 employees that we had at that time. And it was just absolute, absolutely devastating for us. Um, Emotions were flying high and, you know, think about losing, think about going to a funeral. That's what it felt like to us. It's all family. Yes. It's all family. The hospitality industry is very much family. And, we once we kind of came out of that gloom, we felt uh, like we had a sense or an urgency to start rebuilding right away and start planning for the future, thinking that this can't be how everything ends for mm-hmm. us. And and so that that's when we turned to the community and felt like everybody needs help. What can we do? Well, we our food and beverage operators, we make food and serve people. That's what we do. That's Mm -hmm. what we do best. And we looked at parts of the community that needed the help most, especially kids that also had to be um, held at home because Mm -hmm. they couldn't go into classroom settings and seniors that couldn't get their meals and hospital workers that were just, you know, drowning in Uh, COVID patients. And that's where all those things came to be.
0: Yeah. And and how did that work? And just like it Go ahead.
3: Sorry. Just like every restaurant we've opened, we looked at the community and we saw what the community didn't have and what they needed, and that's how we identified these each of these hashtags mm-hmm. and who needed food service the most.
0: And then people can go to the websites and donate money, right, so that you can buy the food. Is that how it works? Right. Okay. And what?
3: Yes. Yeah, so we started off, and what we tried to do was to create a system where people could pay it forward, those who had the financial means to. Mm-hmm. And that helped build a fund to keep certain employees employed yeah. and help us hire back employees during the time in which we could not seat anybody inside. For instance, Salt and Iron became our community kitchen location. Um, and instead of serving steaks and oysters to go, which we already knew wasn't a popular thing. Everybody wanted a burger or fried chicken (laughs) um, or something, you know, comfort comfort. food. Exactly. They didn't want to buy a $50 uh, filet mignon to take home. So our biggest restaurant, our biggest footprint that seats over a hundred people had to be turned into a staging area where we would mass produce lunches, for uh, kids and dinners for seniors and then uh, drop off meals for all the area hospitals. And um, it was very, I mean, it was very rewarding. You go from a situation where you've had to lay off 200 employees and you're absolutely depressed to Mm -hmm. a feel of worth and um, helpfulness. Yeah. So it it was it was self-therapy in a way for us oh, all to yeah. do this.
0: You're like beating the odds here. It's like this is all horrible, but we're going to do something. Right. Now, right. what's happening with those programs as dining begins to open again?
3: Well, currently we still offer uh kids lunches and we identified again that uh after the summer had ended and people were going back to school or not going back to school. When the whole distance learning situation had been identified and the processes were in place. Mm -hmm. So kids were going to do zoom from home with teachers. um, We saw that the parents were having to either stay at home or send their kids to a daycare or have grandpa and grandma take care of them. Family members, they might have joined pods. Uh, There's not enough time in the day, every single day of the week for them to make lunch. Even for the kids, because mm-hmm. they're trying to do their own work at home. A lot exactly. of these parents are even teachers in the school district. So we felt like we needed to provide an affordable option at $5 a meal that included a very healthy, scratch made uh, lunch for children to be picked up or delivered to their house. Oh, nice. And this included uh, a starch, a protein, uh, a vegetable. And uh, a fruit, and that was the guideline for all my chefs uh, to move forward in that direction.
0: Mm-hmm. So now, instead of it all being at Salt and Iron, it's everybody's doing some production.
3: The only unit that is doing that lunch production is the market fishmonger, oh, okay. and because they're the only ones open for lunch,
0: mm, okay. Okay,
3: and Salt and Iron still collects. Funds from the public to pay it forward for hospital meals and also senior meals.
0: Mm, Okay.
3: Although that has kind of waned as people have returned to inside dining and it's getting safer out there for people to dine in restaurants or even order takeout. Right. Um, So you know things shift from one location to the other, but we still receive you know donations every now and then. Once we get enough meals donated, then we send them out. Yeah. To Uh, You know, we work with people like the Edmund Senior Center, the Edmund School District Foundation. We call local area hospitals and see their needs, and uh, this is how we equitably distribute these meals.
0: That's so great. Now, we talked about, you mentioned a minute ago that things are opening up again. It's at 25%. So when you look at each of your restaurants, what's open, and, and is there anything people need to know about them? Like starting with Bar Dojo.
3: Yes. uh, You know, we are a company that really likes to take care of our customers and keep them safe as well. Mm -hmm. Food safety is paramount in any restaurant, and we're a highly regulated industry here in Washington Mm
0: -hmm. State.
3: The health department has very high standards compared to many states around us on how we uh, manage our employees and also treat our customers in terms of safety. Uh, That is no different in the time of COVID as they've come up with pages and pages of new regulations on how we should operate in this safe environment. Um, We have extra COVID barriers in between tables, plenty of social distancing, uh, food safe industrial sanitizer Mm -hmm. from our dishwashing company and many other facets of wearing masks, wearing gloves, and just cleaning surfaces. Mm -hmm. I would say we really pride ourselves on how safe it is to eat inside and outside side of our restaurants uh we went as far as building nine eight by 16 verandas on city streetscape after it had been approved by the city of Edmonds, just to create about eight tables per location of outside dining wow and that's really helped us out in terms of recovering from all the lost uh gross revenue oh yeah and I feel like Washington can move forward a little more than 25%. Studies show, according to the Washington Hospitality Association, that dining at 50% is actually safer than dining at 25%. Now, why is it? Because it allows more people an outlet to go into a public controlled environment to dine with others instead of going to someone's home mm. or going somewhere else where someone isn't watching your every move and saying, put on your mask when you leave your table, please, or when you're not eating or drinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the surfaces are sanitized. The HVAC has ionized technology that removes 99.4% of pathogen particles in the air. So there's a lot of safety measures that you won't see in a home environment.
0: Yeah. You know, it's funny, too, at the 25% mark, we've just started going out, you know, as opposed to take take out we've gone out a couple times and only one place did somebody continually remind you know, like tom got up to say to do something and i think actually was just standing up to stretch or something and she was like mask on and he go oh we were trading seats and she was like mask wow. on and he said oh i'm just oh she goes okay okay but she was you know she was watching everybody in there to make sure that if they weren't eating and drinking and it, you appreciate that you know they're trying to be safe
3: Right. Like, uh, like any good restaurant, you want your server to have attention to deta- detail, and this is no different.
0: Yeah. Now, so are all your places open at the
3: 25%? Yes, everybody is open with the exception of the market. Now, uh, out of the five or six units that we have, the market has been um, the only one to actually make uh, a profit. Out of all this, because their food services is primarily takeout.
0: Right. Everybody was used to now, that anyway.
3: Exactly. And they went from um, an 11-seat dining room, which is, you know, it, it was kind of a counter mm-hmm. area where you could sit and eat, to not having any space at all because of the tw- 25%. But because we built a deck with a pergola on it, and we also built those verandas, we, we tripled our seating outside and really have no more use for our inside seating because yeah. they need that space to stage all the to-go orders they get on a daily basis.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And it really has been the saving grace for our company. Had we not diversified into this kind of quick service takeout model mm-hmm. two or three years ago, we probably would be way worse off than we are today. Yeah. You in already. weathering the storm. Yeah.
0: who You know, you think you're making the right decision. Who knew you'd be setting yourself up for something good in a pandemic? That's crazy.
3: Right. They, they, lost, they lost a lot of money the first two years they were open. <laughs> and, <Yeah. laughs> um, and, and now they're keeping us alive. Yeah. Just barely hanging on. So, yes. Ironic. It's, it was a good investment not knowing mm-hmm. what would happen in the future.
0: Well, what, what's going to happen to outdoor seating when, when the pandemic ends? Is the city going to want to take back the property that people have put outdoor dining on and tents and things like that?
3: I think the city will visit the viability of that compared to uh, the number of people that might enter the town and need parking, Mm because parking is a big issue and has been prior to the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And during the pandemic, parking hasn't been so much of an issue because we aren't having the same level of tourism that we had prior to it. Now, the question really should be, At what point do you feel like restaurants have recovered enough to not need the outside seating? Mm -hmm. Because we have sustained an entire year of mediocre sales across the industry.
0: Yeah, there's just
3: because the pandemic is over doesn't mean a restaurant's suffering is over.
0: Yeah, they're not solid. So
3: a lot of exactly a lot of this is going to depend on uh, how can we utilize those extra four to eight tables that we created outside and pay off our investment first of all. Off of each veranda that costs two to three thousand dollars to build um, at a time when we had no money to build it. And when will customer sentiments feel safe again to dine inside? Because I know many customers probably won't dine inside for the next year or two, even just knowing that wow. the effectiveness of wearing masks and being in an outside area really reduces your chance of not only just. COVID, but the flu, Mm -hmm. the common cold, you know, any other viruses that are airborne, we've seen the eradication of the flu this year in Washington State, and it's because we're wearing masks and dining outside more.
0: Yeah, Interesting.
3: So it'll be up to city council and the general public to weigh in on whether or not they want to extend this ordinance. But the ordinance does end in January and comes up for renewal, should they choose.
0: Oh, okay. So we've got some time to ponder that.
3: Right, right.
0: Well, we, we're we going to need to wrap it up, but I kind of want to talk to you about some future plans. When I talked to you in 28, you kind of laughed and said, Oh, I've always got like 20 concepts in my head. So are there more yeah. things coming as you're in the midst of something right now?
3: You know, just like, just like fire and the feast, I was op- offered the opportunity probably three months before we opened.
2: Mm-hmm. And
3: just like that, we opened. Luckily, it was a restaurant already, and it was easier to turn around. And if the right opportunity comes along, sure. I probably would have many more ideas. I've always wanted to open up a uh, fried chicken place. Mm. Uh, we have some really good fried chicken across the company. I've always wanted to open up uh, a pho restaurant as well. Mm. And I could name off a bunch more, but we don't have time for that. <laughs> but Definitely. Their- if the opportunity presents itself, I, I would love to keep on going. You know, yeah, it's my great. creative outlet for sure.
0: Yeah. And a lot of employment, which everybody needs right now. So...
3: Yeah, and we are back up to about 150 to 175 employees. So we're getting there, but uh-huh. we won't get up to the 200 until we uh, get back to, you know, full inside 100% yes. dining.
0: Yeah, hopefully not too, too much longer. Gosh. Right. well, are so, sure. okay. Thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate you taking the time while you're, you know, in the midst of opening something.
3: Thank you, Connie. I appreciate it. It's been a wild ride. But, uh, (laughs) you know, the pandemic has kind of reset us for the better and not without its struggles. But we're happy to still be here and not have closed down any of our restaurants.
0: Yeah, they can all come back.
3: Yes, indeed.
1: That's wonderful. All right. Thank you. Uh, We're going to take a little break. And then when we come back, we're going to have some tips and tricks.
2: Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by Revolve True Food and Wine Bar in Bothell, where a passion for wellness, wonderful food,
3: and good wine infuses everything they do. All menu items are free of gluten, grains, preservatives, trans fats, GMO, and soy. Enjoy wild seafood, organic farm-fresh eggs, and seasonal organic produce. Find them at revolvefoodwine.com. Hi, I'm Brad from Snohomish. One of my favorite restaurants is Daniel's Broiler, where I enjoy a good ribeye. This is Michael out of Portland, Oregon with Red Duck Foods, and you are listening to the Seattle Dining Show.
1: Kenny, are you awake? We're back on the Seattle Dining Show. And thanks again to Schubert for coming in and being our guest today and giving us his insight about how he's dealing with all of this pandemic stuff. Uh, and anyways, we, we always like to close the show up with some tips and tricks. And uh, I think you got something here. Yeah. What you got?
0: Well, it's not uh, not rocket science. We haven't talked about it, I don't think, on the show before. It's, you know... You see this in almost every cookbook, but when you're making meat at home, it's important to let the meat rest after you take it off or out of the heat. Mm -hmm. And there are times that I don't do that because I'm thinking, I like my food hot. I want it right out of the oven because you know how food cools down quickly. Mm -hmm. So there's things you can do, like you like to warm plates up in the oven. Yep. Um, But my tip really is that it is very important to let it rest for like five or ten minutes because... They have proof that about 40% of the meat's juice is lost when you cut it before resting. Yep. So while it rests, the meat is reabsorbing its own juice, and then it's much more tender and and moist, much better.
1: And so particularly if you're going to be doing uh, a rare or medium-rare meat, Mm -hmm. you you want to put it on a heated plate so it gets to retain some heat,
0: too. And the thing that you have to remember that I need to remind myself is that when you take meat out of the oven, it is cooking while it rests. It's got all that heat. So number one, it's not going to get cold immediately because it's still going up. Stuff going on with the proteins in there. So it's also another thing to remember to, like, if you want it at a – 165 degrees don't get it to 165 and take it out and let it sit for 10 minutes because then it's going to be 175 probably right so take Pull it at out like a little,
1: 155
0: yeah and then let it as it
1: rests It'll go cook up. the rest of the way so then you've you've got it all done and when right. you heat that plate don't heat them at 350 just <gasps> yeah. heat them at 180 you know or 175 yeah so that's my tip for the day okay um, well I got a tip about Bacon. Everybody loves bacon. Oh, yeah, bacon, bacon. So, uh, you know, I do bacon a couple different ways. And uh, for a long time I was doing it, I had kind of mastered how to cook bacon in the microwave. So you just had to make a couple slices at a time and you, you kept the rest of it in the fridge. But uh, recently I've been cooking it on the stovetop. And getting really good results. And then what I do is I'm basically making pre-cooked bacon. So I'll take a whole slab of bacon, usually about eight slices. And uh, and I'll cook it up on the stovetop. And I cook it at 325, not at 350. I also start it in the pan when the pan is cold. So that allows the bacon to the, the end result is more flat than wrinkled up bacon. Uh you're not getting burned bacon at all. And you're pulling it off right as it starts to look like it's about edible because you're going to reheat some of that bacon in the microwave on other days. And so you, you have your couple of pieces of bacon you're going to have for breakfast that morning. And if you want to cook them up a little bit more, you could. And then you put the rest into the fridge and store it over the next few days. You're just going to take, you know, two, two slices or whatever a serving for you is and put them on a microwave-safe plate. Put in the microwave on two slices. You're only going to put it in for about 10 seconds. And you're going to see that the top is starting to bubble on that bacon. And you get it out, and it's 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 wonderful. Mm. It's a wonderful way to make bacon. Uh, If you want to do a little extra trick, you can swab on a little bit of maple syrup and make yourself some maple bacon. Mm.
0: Um, How long will that stay good in the
1: refrigerator? I would let it go for about five days. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, because it cooked. is already cooked. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like when you buy pre-cooked sausages at the grocery store; they're already pre-cooked, so mm. there's not a lot that can happen to them over the course of, say, a week. We know over two or three weeks, you don't want to eat that. Yeah. But uh, but for you know five days, maybe seven days, and uh, that's that's what I'm. Yeah. Doing with bacon, and I'm sticking
0: with it. <laughs> sticking to it. And I'm sticking to the microwave because I'm lazy. I mean, you have got your kitchen set up, so you've got pans hanging, yeah. and you just reach back and get it. Mine, of course, are all in a cupboard that they don't fit in, and you've got to move 42 pans
1: to get one out. You know how that is? So it's like, enough. Hey, there's a good tip. Hang your pans up in your kitchen for easy access. You don't have to bend up and down. You know, us old people, man.
0: Yeah, but you know what? It, it depends so much Some on your you kitchen can't do it. I really can't do it without cutting off the rest of the room. Yep. So, so that's the story. Well, listen, it is time for us to wrap up. Thank you for joining us on the March show. If you're not already a subscriber to our online magazine, it's free to do so. Just visit seattledining.com and click on subscribe free.
1: Goodbye. <laughs>
2: Thanks for listening to another edition of the Seattle Dining Show. This program is a copyrighted production of Mixed Media. and may not be reproduced in part or in whole without written permission of the legal owner, all right? However, feel free to share the link with all your friends on Facebook. Studio equipment for this broadcast was purchased locally at American Music of Fremont Icon. The views and opinions expressed on this show are exclusive to the host and guests and do not reflect those of former employees of Bill the Butcher, the Surrogate Hostess, the Beeline Diner, Louie's Chinese Cuisine, the Doghouse, the Five Mile House, Charlie's, the Twin Teepees, Ocean Air, Benjamin's, the Madison Park Cafe, or any other lost Seattle icon. Subscribe free to our monthly magazine online at seattledining.com and join us next time for another edition of the Seattle Dining Show.